You're listening to Tantra Bits, bite-sized morsels of tantric wisdom to help you be a better lover. Brought to you by the Tantra Institute at TantraNY.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Tantra Bits podcast. I'm joined here today uh, with our first podcast guest. Dave Buddha is a writer, musician, and social entrepreneur. He's the co-founder of Intimacy Fest, which I have attended and has led 250 workshops in the San Diego area on connection, touch, and relationships. He's also published over 200 essays for Buddhaism.com, which is his website, and has been published in countless major online publications. He's also a singer-songwriter who boasts that he has played over a thousand shows. (laughs) Did I write boasts? (laughs) Boasts. It actually says that in your bio. I did not make that up. Oh, shit. And not so discreetly moonlights as his alter ego, <laughs> Buddhananda, a spiritual satirical kirtan singer who travels the world performing high vibration music for enlightened audiences. I got to so work Dave, on I got to change that boasts thing. <laughs> I think you put that in there, you son of a bitch. <laughs> All right, maybe I kind of put that in there. But I like but it. You should. Right. I mean, it puts That's in fine. there a thousand performances. Were those all in front of an audience? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm, that's kind of my day job. I play like three or four nights a week out at different restaurants and clubs and stuff like that. And so, yeah. Fantastic. So a night job. Fantastic. Um, so tell us a little bit about you because I mean, that's your bio, right? You are, I, I consider you to be a, a creative artist and uh, you know, not just in music, but in life and in the things that you create, whether you created Intimacy Fest or, or, or a piece of music or any kind of experience for people to have. Uh, I know you as both a facilitator and an artist and, and the two are kind of, I think with you very inseparable. So I wonder if you talk a little bit about uh, you know, how that came to be for you. Sure, man. Well, it's good to be here. And thanks for having me as a, you know, the first guest on your Tantra Bits podcast. Um, I, I checked out the the Tantra bit stuff you've been doing already and I, I really like it. It's like, feels really useful. And um, yeah, I, I really like the way you approach business and in, in the way you do stuff. It's very, it's, it's really, it's just, it's great. I Thank like you. it. Um, what was the question? Totally. Yeah. That's, that's something I didn't realize about myself until maybe three or four years ago was that, there this artist personality was really at the core of like you know a lot of what i do um that actually helped explain things you know explained why i wasn't very good at copywriting per se because even though i can write persuasive content i I, at the end of the day i want to make things like i want to make a great piece of art and if somebody doesn't want to pay me thousands of dollars for that then well it just doesn't make sense for my the time and what i'm going to do um so yeah, um, and yeah, artist. I don't know. Yeah, I guess what does it what does it mean? That's supposed to be an artist, or what what is the essential quality of that? Um, I just I I guess it's about beauty, wanting to make things that um, like not not just not just make things for the sake of having it or making it, but making something for the sake of uh, like a real like like, I don't know, it's a, it, either, you know, you get to really express yourself or, you know, you get to do something that no one's ever done. Um, there's just like a, there's a thrill in, in the, 
the, I don't know, this is a different way I approach, I guess, creating things uh, and, the, and the, the motive for that, I guess. The art, I'm, I'm very artist motivated mm-hmm. at the end of the day. You know, well, doing something that no one else has done, I think is really exciting. And if someone's also already done it and done it in a way that I think is great, then I'm like, I'm all for it. I, I don't, I don't, I'm not like, oh shoot, they got my idea. Like I don't, I'm like, great, that idea's out there. That's great. Cool. Well, tell me, tell me about the, tell me about where art and intimacy intersect for you. Uh, well, um, I would say uh, community would be the place they intersect. So good answer. <laughs> <laughs> now I have to explain it now. Um, let's see. So, you know, doing, um, make building community and, and doing that is, is a, is an art project. You know, it's, it is, it's so complex and there's so many different things and there's so many little details and just getting it right. And it's like, it's like making a really great meal. You know, there's just so many things to consider and the heat and the spices and the acid and the flavors and textures. And so, you know, I guess there's intimacy one-on-one and that's, that's beautiful, but like a life, an intimate life, like a life where you have intimacy in a lot of your relationships. Um, you have your and groups that feel intimate, feel close. Um, creating that, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sort of a wrangler of the, a lot of the poly people in my area as you are. And um, yeah, just kind of putting those people together in a way that, that, has everybody be really psyched about that, I think is a, is a fun challenge, you know, and it feels like an art project, you know, a lot of moving parts. Feel like an art project for you. And like in that way, I mean, what do you think? I mean, do you consider what, like, where do you uh, experience the art in, let's just say what you do in the Tantra world? On, on a sort of grander sense for me, it's like, you're just directing energy. People are coming into the room, they're lending their attention to the thing that everybody's doing or the thing that you're facilitating and you're just sort of like harnessing that energy and directing it. And that is an art form. You know, mm-hmm. I was a filmmaker before I came to this work. And so you're literally harnessing the creative talents of a cast and crew to create a unified vision, right? Mm-hmm. Which I think in some aspect could be considered the definition of leadership. Yeah, kind of like an orchestra conductor almost, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So are you, are, do you see yourself as an orchestra conductor? Um, sometimes in group sex, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell us more about that, uh, Dave. Um, well, um, I think that's the thing I like about um, group sex is not necessarily me getting to receive a lot of pleasure. I like, I mean, I like that too, but I like the, I just like the the creativity. I like the possibilities of it. It's like a jam session. You know, it, it's like, it's like, um, you know, it's like, uh, I don't know, maybe uh, going your whole life and, and like playing one instrument and then like not even knowing that other instruments exist. And then you like walk into this music store and you're like, holy shit, like I could do all this, you know? And it's like, so to me, it's like when you put three or more people together, um, there's just like the possibilities are endless. It's so cool. I just think that's like to my mind, my creative brain just gets so stoked on that. So, so is that the ultimate form of community? No, 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 it's not. I mean, I, 
that I mean, that's an experience. I wouldn't say that like, you know, a group of people having sex together is a inherently a community. Um, but uh, I mean, I happen to love like poly sex positive communities and that's great, but um, I wouldn't say that that's the ultimate form of community. Um, and I think a lot of people feel like it has to be, or they feel like, you know, if we're not having like that community's tighter because they're having sex with each other. And it's like, mm, like, I don't think that's true. So. What is, um, and you actually, you live in community, right? Do you live, you live in a community? Can okay, you tell us about that? Yeah, I'm on a nine acre property here with about 22 people, 15 adults, seven kids, a bunch of dogs and cats and chickens and goats. And um, it was started about 10 years ago and I, I came in about three years ago and I found it. They're basically the only kind of like a stat, like yeah, there's other communities here in San Diego, but they're kind of the ones that I feel like have established themselves the most and are really successful in a lot of ways it's you know building intentional communities like you know 90 percent of them fail or some stat you know it's kind of like businesses right it's just a really difficult thing to pull off and this group came together and it's just an impressive group of people they did an amazing job so um i wanted to come and check out what they did because i've always been interested in living community that's always been something that i felt like is really important to me so i was like i gotta go find out what they're doing so I can maybe even do it myself or, and then I just ended up liking it. And just, it's just the people, the land. It just was like, wow, this place grows on me. Like every month i love it more. So now I'm here for the foreseeable future. <laughs> Sounds so, pretty cool. Yeah. And we have this, like, we just have, it's, it's a cool land. We have this like indoor pool house, which I think you remember, you know, we just, it's like, it's just a, it's just built for like, just bringing people together and having a good time. Yeah, so it's like, there's just so much here that is so perfect for me. You know, I got a little venue I built so I can host concerts, you know, that kind of stuff's great. That's so like with a stage and everything? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Was that the, the space I was in with, with the kitchen next to it? Yeah. Yeah, that's the space we did some of the workshops and stuff like that. Awesome. Yeah. So... You know, you, you are known, uh, I'm, I'm going to lob this question at you. That's all right. Go for it. So you are known for uh, being a little bit provocative in some of your points of view. And um, I'm just curious if, if you wanted to chat a little bit about that, because you have some very specific points of view um, that yeah. tend to sort of go against the mainstream. I'm curious to hear a little bit more, more about that. Yeah. I mean, it's a really interesting time to ask me this because I've just spent the morning chatting with some people who are not happy with me um based on some stuff a lot wrote uh not a lot i mean i'm glad when they do chat to me i'd rather have people let me know if they're unhappy with me (laughs) than than hold it in or whatever but um yeah it's it's funny like i don't like I, i i i get that looking back on the things that i write and share it's provocative uh, you know, uh, like I, I get, like I see that it was never my intention. Um, I guess for me, I, and I don't even see it as like, I think what I'm saying is just common sense. Like I've heard, I've heard Gabor Mate talk about this. I've heard, you know, Chris Ryan talk about this. Uh, Gabor Mate is an addiction specialist, you know, a guy who's really spent his years studying addiction. Chris Ryan wrote the book Sex at Dawn, talked about how humans are not really wired for monogamy. Mm-hmm. 
and it's like, I, I don't know. I mean, when he wrote Sex of Dawn, it was like, hey, we're not wired for monogamy. Like we're p- animals who pair bond and then have extra right. copulatory relationships. Like, why is that? That's that, that, that's controversial. Like it is. But really, like, it's like, no, that's actually just obvious. And Gabramate is saying you can be addicted to anything. Addiction's a process. It's not just a drug. You know, you can, and, and like, it, that's so hard. Like, you know, it's like, that seems like common sense. But, but so much of what he's saying goes against what we want to believe and what our establishments have kind of built up. You know, so, you know, this latest article I wrote about uh, Tantra and why it's, uh, why it's a place where where people who want to manipulate others to get sex can get away with it easier or why it's more common. I mean, I just, I feel like I'm just surprised nobody's already said the stuff I'm saying because it just seems so obvious to me. Uh, and so in a way it's more like, I don't feel like I'm provocative or even especially insightful. I I just think that I'm like, kind of willing to just say things that people already think and maybe just I'm, I have maybe just a little thicker skin or maybe that's also part of a you know having privilege as a like a straight guy because like people you know I'm I'm a little bit I haven't been beaten down you know for a long time because of you know systemic oppression and things so maybe I just have more energy for that kind of thing but um yeah, it really just honestly, everything just occurs to me is common sense. Um, even though it's, you know, what they, what's the statement like common sense isn't common or something, you know? But Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, let, let's talk a little bit about that because you did, you did mention Tantra. I mean, wouldn't you say that just about any spiritual practice or really any kind of group or tribe can be manipulated for, you know, for uh, other agendas? Yeah, for sure. But when, you know, when people are taking their clothes off in a space, it just becomes a little more dangerous, obviously, you know, um, and people are going to Tantra, uh, not all, but some, a lot of people are going there because they need sexual healing. So they need healing around the thing that the boundaries may be crossed. So they're already coming in with like, oh, not so good at this, um, and so when you put those things together, uh, it just, it's tough. It's tough. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, 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 it's like, a, so I, I used the example in the article of like a couple Tantra teachers, male Tantra teachers in their fifties, I think that have gotten, you know, allegations and things have happened in the last couple of years. And I just like, I, I posted a picture of these like really hot chicks in their like the twenties. And I just said, listen, like, good luck like that th- like these are the types of women that might show up to their workshops like you think these guys are going to be in their best behavior like testosterone is a fucking thing man like i'm i'm you know like I, it's it's not and and again i i think this is this is just common sense like i've this is what trans men have been saying which is like when they start taking testosterone they want to fuck everything like that's kind of what it's like to be a guy for a lot you know and and we need, so, yeah, so that's going to be problematic when you put those women in front of these guys that, so, you know. And, <clears throat> so that makes, that does sound like common sense to me. I mean, when you put those two things together, that makes total sense. So, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I didn't see the article, 
Um, but, but then how would somebody who is like looking for this kind of healing go about trying to get it? Yeah. Well, I mean, I also made the point at the end that I think it's still worth a path. I think it's still path worth pursuing. Um, and, and I did talk about the fact that, yeah, like every, every path is dangerous. I mean, I looked up a stat and it's like 4% of therapists like sleep with their clients or something, you know, like pretty shitty. It's like, oh damn, like they're clearly, if we put people through years of training and certify them and then hold their license over their head, they're still not going to, you know, because, uh, sex is the marshmallow experiment for adults. But, you but know? then you've also got people that are like, damn, 4%, like I missed out. My therapist was hot. Damn. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, there's still time, you know, you could probably, uh, um, so it's, um, it, it, they did this in the seventies. They, uh, they, they put kids in a room and an empty room. They, and they gave them a plate with one marshmallow on it. And the, and then the, the researcher came in and they said, all right, um, here, you can have this marshmallow. The kids are like between like four and six years old. Like I said, you can have this one marshmallow or I'm going to come back in 15 minutes and if you haven't eaten the marshmallow, I'm going to give you another marshmallow and you can have two marshmallows. And they, and they left the room. And of course they have like cameras in the room, you know, and like it's, it's, you know, it's in, it's a, it's an experiment in like, like, can we like long-term gratification versus short-term pleasure, you know? And so of course, like half the kids ate the marshmallow. Um, and, you know, some of them were like, some of them, like their techniques to not you know, sometimes we would just like push, push it aside and like not look at it. Some of them would like smell it. And, and, and then they, they, they did follow up research to, to look at those kids. And they found that like 20 years later, like the kids that didn't eat the marshmallow, like we're doing better in life, you know? And there, there's, I've read some things that have, that have made the point that that maybe not like the, the accuracy of like exactly all that follow up isn't perfect. So I don't want to speak to that too much, but I think we all have this sense that like, patience is such a nice virtue to have, you know, and, and we don't, and we're all impulsive. And, 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 um, so sex is the marshmallow experiment for adults. You know, it is, it is like, we don't give a, we're like, ah, marshmallow, whatever, you know, maybe, but like, mm, like you throw like, uh, an attractive, like person of the sex that you enjoy having sex with in front of you and like, see if you can make good decisions you know, and like, as I think you and I have seen being around these communities for a while, you know, if you cannot eat the marshmallow and you can be a good person and make good decisions over and over and over again, like you do actually get two marshmallows at the end. It's like, you know, you actually can build a reputation as someone people can trust. And I just think that that's like, you know, it's, it is, it's, everybody would agree that it's worth it. But it's just that when you're sitting in the room with the marshmallow for 15 minutes, having to stare at it, uh, you know, you want to fuck the marshmallow. I get it. So, so would it be fair then to say that your argument is that, uh, you know, the people are the marshmallows and they're coming into a room with a marshmallow connoisseur. It's going to be really hard for the connoisseur not to eat the marshmallows because they love marshmallows. Yeah, not only that, but this, the, these guys and women too, this, this creepy women out there and, you know, understand, having a deep understanding of psychology, you know, can be great, but it also makes you able to manipulate people easier. And this whole, I use, so the, the article really centers around gaslighting and how people do that. And you can't gaslight people if you don't have a basic level understanding of psychology. 
you know, and the better you are at that, the more you can, uh, the more you can find those little hooks in their mind and find their points of insecurity and then use that to, uh, you know, to, to get what you want. And so it's it kind of especially like, dangerous. It sounds like you're shaming cult leaders. <laughs> shaming cult leaders. I mean, listen, I'm a cult leader. Like I, you know, like what's a cult, right? A cult is a group of people who believe in the same thing. Like I lead people that believe in the same thing. I'm just, you know, I, I try to be a responsible cult leader. And I think I try to, I think the thing that I do is like, I don't try to overestimate myself. Like mm -hmm. I am not, if I didn't have really smart uh, women and men, but a lot of women around me who will tell me when I'm full of shit and, and I can learn from their mistakes. Uh, you know, Reed, my friend Reed Mahalko has been, absolutely essential and the amount of mistakes I've avoided because of him, because he's already made the mistakes or he's understood and created the way, you know, like he, he has taught me so much. Um, and the standards he sets for himself are extremely high. Like the guys, it's amazing. So if I didn't have, what I'm saying is if I didn't have help, I, I would be totally screwed. Like well, yeah, I can't, um, there's no way I can do this on my own. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, accountability is important, right? Having a support system is important. Um, so I'm curious then, um, to ask you, have you ever eaten the marshmallow? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like, I mean, not to make that mean something exact. I mean, that's kind of a, a metaphor, you know, for, for making an impulsive decision, uh, and something that, I, I mean, look at, I'm a, I'm a food addict. Like that's my, what my, the biggest addiction I struggle with is food. Right. So like every day I am probably doing things that just like, ugh, like I, uh, why did I do that? I'm so full, like bloated. And then the next day I wake up and do it again. Like, and I struggle with that on a daily basis. I struggle with it with social media. You know, this, like I posted this article on Facebook yesterday and it's getting a lot of people talking about it. And so what am I doing today? I'm impulsively checking it. Oh, like what? Oh, there's one more like, there's one more comment. Like, oh, like that is not me. That's not me waiting for the marshmallow. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, it's, we all battle with this all the time. You know, we have our own, our own things that we battle with, but that's a particular one for me. Mm -hmm. I think in a way, I think I'm, I don't know. I like, I, I love, I mean, I, I really do love sex just as much as the next person. And I get turned on and excited just as much as the next person, but I don't, I don't know that I have like the biggest sex drive. I don't know that like for whatever reason for me, like actually getting to have sex with someone like that's important, but it doesn't seem like it doesn't seem as like consequential for me as it does for other people. And I think that that's a blessing in the position I'm in, you know, mm -hmm. that, that is just, that's my, that's, I have not thought, I haven't thought about that before, but it does seem like, there may be a, some kind of association there. Well, I mean, wouldn't you also say that for most of those people, access to sex is probably rarer than it is for people like you and I. And so when, when you know, I mean, there's that thing where yeah, like, if know, you're like, walking by a restaurant and you smell this food and you haven't had a meal in a month, right. you know, that's going to be different than if you're like, where should I eat today? 
Yeah, totally. No, I mean, that's, I get to, I, I'm, I, I keep my head above water. So I don't, you know, I don't feel scarce. Um, but I've also met some people. I mean, I just, I was just uh, messaging with someone who shall not be named, who is the founder of a large organization that teaches this stuff. And this guy's got a ravenous appetite. It doesn't matter how many, he's still just a, he just still, his behavior is not good. You know? And so I, yeah, I mean, it's uh, yeah. It's, well, so, that's, so, but that's great. That's great because you touch on a fine line because like you don't want to shame somebody for their appetite. Like if somebody has a lot of desire, that's great. I think really what, if we were going to distill it down to something, it's like, well, is that being expressed in a positive way? Right. Yeah. Or, or, and then, and so that, that kind of brings up the question, like if you are in a position of some kind of leadership of a group or an organization or whatever. Um, and there is some legitimate attraction between you and somebody else, uh, whether they're in the organization or not. Like, how do you sort of like tell like, oh, this is sort of okay, but no, this is not okay. If I can, f if I notice, then, then I'm lucky. So if I, you know, if I eat a huge lasagna dinner, which I did last night and, and I feel bloated afterwards, then I've, then I get that, you know, uh, and I'm like, cool. Like I found that, but a lot of times I don't, I can't self monitor. Like I, I can't, I cannot rely on myself to know whether I've done something that maybe was impulsive and, and hurt someone. So I absolutely need like to be surrounded by people who are going to keep me in check, you know, and I'm not trying to paint me or men as like monsters. Like I really am not like women need people to keep them in check too. And for different reasons, you know, and but that's, that's my answer is like, I really try to like, I see myself as very incapable of that job. And because of that, I, I do the things that I would need that's because the support I'm system comes in. I just don't try to do that myself. You know, and I don't, but that's not me saying like, well, if I do something impulsive and irresponsible, I'm not like, well, see, I'm incapable. Like, no, that's not, it doesn't, uh, you know, it doesn't shirk responsibility, but it's like, I you know, I'm just a man. I'm just a man, guy. Just, <laughs> we're all just imperfect beings. Yeah, exactly. No, I mean, that's also another statement that's probably been used in shitty ways. But yes, um, that's, I, I do, that's how I approach it anyways for myself. And, and the more, the more I influence and power I, I acquire or wherever that goes, I would need more of that, more and more and more. And that's hard. Uh, it's, you know, so. All right. You know, even the play parties and stuff that I run, like I do that for friends. Like that's how it started. Um, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I didn't charge money for a while. And now I charge 20 bucks just so I can have an accurate head count. Cause sometimes the spaces fill up and we have to max mm -hmm. it out. But the invite list is only like 150 people. Usually like 150 people. It's not, you know, and so, and that's for like a, maybe a party with like 50 or 60 people. So, um, I, I just try to, I, I like doing things for my friends. Uh, mm -hmm. not to say that people, you, I, I, yeah, sorry. So you, so you facilitate the event or you sort of, you create it, you facilitate it. You yeah. Space yeah. I set up the, set up the space and do the, but welcome you also circle. participate. Yeah. Yeah. I set up the space and do the welcome circle. Okay. Um, and, uh, yeah. That's what I do. So, so I'm curious about that because, you know, we, we do our own parties too and, and we participate cautiously. Um, I uh -huh. certainly do. 
so I'm curious, like, let's say you throw a party for some of your friends and there's somebody that you didn't quite know. And, you know, she wanted to engage with you. Like, how does that affect things? Because you're also the person who's holding the container. So if, yeah. So how do I engage with, with, let's say new people? Um, cause, cause I'd say 95% of the people at these parties are people I know like that. So that's an also important, um, cautiously, you know, slowly, uh, and yeah, like that's, it's just a really, it's a, it's a tricky, it's like, how do we solve climate change? I don't know. It's like, this is a lot of shit going like a lot, very complex solution. Um, there are so many things to consider when mm-hmm. being with a new person and then you're adding the layer of I'm, I'm in a position of authority or power and not just because I'm a guy and patriarchy and all that, but then I'm like the organizer. So she's, you know, going to assume that I just know what I'm doing and that I'm, you know, and there's like, she might just relax a little, her agency a little bit. And then I don't want that. And so, um, it's just a tricky thing. Uh, there's no, and I may, may or may not do that, but um, it's tricky. I don't know. Yeah. I think we just, the only thing we can do is not underestimate that task. <laughs> you know, that's, that's my best answer. <laughs> what are some things? I mean, I could give specifics maybe about like, uh, yeah, let's do that. Yeah, tell us some specifics. I have a, essay the article that I haven't written yet that, that I might never write but it's called uh, put your worst foot forward um, and it's kind of my approach to dating and relationships in some ways maybe life <laughs> not that I chose this but um, if you can scare people off with who you are early then you're going to save yourself a lot of time we typically want to put our best foot forward because we want people to like us. And Mm -hmm. then they find out later about like the stuff that they don't like. But the truth is if they find out the things they don't like about you and they still want to be around you, then that's good filter. is like, that's, that's good, you know? And so if I put my worst foot forward and that, and and they're like, "Mm, no, like that's not for me, then it wasn't going to work out if I just waited to reveal that in a year. And you save time. Good idea. I save time. And it's, it's kind to everybody involved. Exactly. And it gives we, we them just like, did a class called shadow dating profiles where you just front cool. load it with like, here's my shadow. Here's my pattern of relationship. It was yeah. hilariously funny. That's amazing. I love that. I love that. Um, That's great. You're, you're really, I just, I love the creativity of the way you do, like you do the business stuff. It's really, it's like the way you bring that stuff. It's really fun. We like to have um, fun. You like to have fun yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, you know, that's how I approach it. Um, yeah. Like also really, you know, something else I've been thinking about um, is I don't often date or sleep with people outside my community. And that was never an intention, but I just look back over the last like 10 years. It's probably maybe like one or two people I've hooked up with that I don't have like at least a handful of mutual friends with. Right. And I don't do that because I'm afraid of other people or the safety element. Like that's, that is a nice perk, but it's just, I don't know. It's just the only thing that seems to make sense to me. You know, I, I, uh, and so if anything I'm on, like sometimes I'll be out on like dating apps or something and I'm kind of just like recruiting for the community at large, not really there for myself. Cause Mm -hmm. if I were to, if I were to get together with that person, it would be, 
after they had integrated themselves into the community, you know, into my group of friends, into like these. So uh, I think that's something that we've probably lost touch with in, in, in our sort of isolated individualistic culture, which is that you could even do that. Like, what do you mean? Just date people in my community? Like what? Like people that just, I know, <laughs> like people I already know, like that I have to tell people about my, sexual preferences that I actually already know. Like, well, that's weird. Well, you know, it's like, um, but that's really important. Like, that's how I, that's how I look at it. Um, and uh, so that's been, that's worked for me. Um, I think so far. Yeah. Well, what do you think it is about that, that, you know, having them be part of your, your community? Like what is sort of like, yeah, when I say my community, it's uh, uh, that, you know, when I talk about my community here, it's a very specific group right. and, nine acres. And when I talk about the community at large, it can be very nebulous, I guess. So when I say like, if someone's in my community, if we have more than like 10 mutual friends, I would say they're in my community for sure. Okay. You know? Um, so I'd say like you are in my community, right? Even though like you're just, but because we know a lot of the same people and cause that's, there's a lot of, there's, if there's a lot of vectors, then people, then, then you behave differently than if like, you know, I just meet some random person and they don't, we don't know anybody in common. Right. You know, so, so accountability again, there's a level accountability, of accountability. There. Yeah. Accountability. And so, um, what were you, what'd you ask the question about? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm thinking go, going back to the, the thing of like holding space and then not knowing like, is, you know, do I want to interact with this person at an event that I'm holding space for? Mm -hmm. Um, like I remember when I was directing films, I would meet a lot of actors and I would meet actresses. And sometimes they would want to go out with me. And it was always this thought that like, well, you know, is, is she interested in me for who I am? Or is she, mm -hmm. is she interested in me because I have a company and, you know, it might benefit her career. Right. And mm -hmm. I was always like really weary of that mm -hmm. um, because, you know, I don't want to go out with someone who's like only interested in going out with me because of what I could do for their career. Right. right. It's like so a reverse like a, Harvey Weinstein thing or something. There, there's, yeah. So there's like a tuning into like, what's the, you know, because. Because I want you to go out with me for me because you like me because you want to be in my presence and not, you know, because it's going to further your career. And yeah. what I've been realizing as uh, as I've sort of been growing and, and maturing is that like people don't often do things for one reason. There's often multiple reasons. You know, I'm, I, I think that kind of adds to the to the complexity of like trying to decide if I'm if I'm running an event and this person wants to play with me. Like, what's the you know, like, what do you do? Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's, you're absolutely right in yep. those factors, and and that's in it. And it's okay for there to be, you know, a, to, for that to be an explicit factor. Like if somebody's like, kind of really turns me on that you're like leading this group. That's okay. I mean, again, not not that that it, the whole thing is just complex, and you have there's a lot of factors there. But like, it's not that you have to deny that or deny the fact that that that. Like, oh, like I, you being in power, even the way you hold power can be really attractive to people. And that's just a thing, you know? Yeah. I mean, it would be, uh, you know, if somebody approached me, it's like, I, I just love banging the hosts and I want to hook up with you. Like that wouldn't be a great way to start a conversation, but you know, but it's like, again, like uh, we couldn't you know, we couldn't deny that those, those, those factors exist. Otherwise we would be ignorant and, and we wouldn't be able to really make the decisions or we need to actually say, yes, that's, those things are a factor. We understand that. All right. 
Well, th- this has been interesting. I think we're going to have to do a part two to <laughs> so this at talk some about point. It, sure. Why don't you take a moment, share with everyone, like if they like you, if they want to get to know you better, if they want to come to one of your parties and bang you, like what are some of the ways that they can <laughs> get to know you or kind of join up well, your community? What's going on? Um, unless, unless they, we have a lot of mutual friends that it would probably, probably. If you um, want to connect with Dave, go look him up on uh, Facebook th- you know, my, and befriend my, his friends. One of my love languages is really like people, people that read my writing, I feel like really understand me in a way that, that there's just a part of me that gets expressed through that. And so I love getting, I love people getting to know me through that. And you could do that at uh, Buddhism, B O O D A I S M dot com. That's just, I've written over 200, I'm boasting over 200 essays. Uh, <laughs> well boasted, yes. <laughs> and then uh, so boastfully uh, writing uh, these essays. And um, yeah, like I, 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 I put a lot of, I really, I actually say this in the intro to the website, which is that I think I try to make each essay a work of art, not because I, not because it should be in a museum, but because I, I give it everything I got. And that's how, that's how I try to approach it. And you like art. I like art. That's great. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining me for our first dialogue episode of Tantra Bits. Right. And yeah, it's been a lot of fun great <laughs> it's been fun for me too Thanks, yeah man. let's let's sling a few more words together when we do this again and and maybe next time uh you know get the guitars out and uh and go all musical because i'm yeah, sure people said, would love to hear some of your music sling some words is that what you said i like yeah. that we're just slinging back and forth it's yeah, a good uh, back and forth. A good, if, uh if somebody does want to hear your music what where would they go to hear you sing and play um i'll probably just throw my name in youtube we'll get there i actually haven't recorded much stuff it's been a while. I think there's an old album from like 12 years ago on Spotify, but, um, but putting my name in, in with music, uh, in the internet, we'll find, we'll get you the places. Fantastic. Yeah. All right. Well, my guest today has been Dave Buddha. You heard it from the man first. Uh, we hope to uh, have you back on the show very soon and thanks a lot. Take care, Dave. Thanks, buddy. Mm-hmm. Thanks for listening to Tantra Bits. Bite-sized morsels of tantric wisdom to help you be a better lover. Brought to you by the Tantra Institute. For the latest events and workshops, visit tantranny.com. <laughs> <laughs>